Welcome back to the podcast, my friend. Today, we're talking about the magic of surrender with best-selling author, Coot Blackson. I cannot wait for you to hear this podcast. I laughed. I smiled. My energy feels great as I got to jam with one of the most prominent transformational teachers in the world. Let's dive right in to this episode of the Free Your Energy Podcast. How do you facilitate that? How do you nurture your friendships? How do you, you know, stay in community? Uh, It's hard. It's hard. You know, I used to have a ton of friends, hundreds, hundreds, hundreds. And as I've matured, the close connections have lessened, but the quality has also deepened. You know, and I, and I, I do think that as we evolve uh, on the spiritual path, that as you evolve, your consciousness consciousness evolves. You keep growing. Not everyone will evolve with you. Not everyone will grow with you. Not everyone will go with you. Uh, not everyone's going to evolve and grow at the pace that you're growing and evolving. It's not better or worse. It's just part of evolution. And so <clears throat> I'm someone that's always growing and evolving as a part of my process uh, of being alive as a human being. And so <clears throat> a lot of people that were my friends, still I love them, but, you know, this we just, the form changes, you know, as the energy changes. And so for me, what's important more than anything is the loving and uh, the loving is always there, no matter the, the space or the dimension. And so uh, I do my best with those that are, uh, I'm really close with uh, to, to, to make a sincere, real commitment to keeping the connection alive, especially those I'm really close with, to keep the connection alive, the investment in the connection, in the relationship, in the communication, in the loving, uh, in the touching base the best I can. And uh, it's a work in progress. There's two threads there that I want to learn more about. One is the thread of maybe you're outgrowing a friend, you're, you're outgrowing behaviors that you guys used to do together. Um, maybe that friendship isn't in total alignment. Yes, there's love there and there's <clears> care <throat> there, but it's just not in total alignment. So I'm curious if you could speak on that. And then before I lose the question, there was one other thread you mentioned about deepening, you know, about deepening. So I'm wondering if you could also talk on how, quote unquote, how to deepen some of those friendships. Like, what does it take? Sure. Um, you know, look, I think relationships, relationships, friendship is a relationship, right? So relationship, uh, I think we attract to ourselves uh, in a particular moment of our lives, people that are mirror manifestations of who we are mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and vibrationally in that particular moment. And so uh, every friend that we attract or person we attract is really a mirror of aspects of ourselves that we most need to heal, uh, make peace with, digest, integrate, uh, embrace, Uh, embody. uh, And so ultimately, there is no relationship out there. There's no relationship out there. There's just a relationship that we have with someone out there that really is an expression, a manifestation and projection of our current state of consciousness. 
And so ultimately we're in relationship with ourselves, I really feel. And so we, we attract people in a particular moment in time because there's maybe a certain karmic agreement, soul agreement, soul lesson, lessons to learn, and we're a vibrational match. And maybe we're going in a similar place, in a similar direction, in that particular moment. Uh, and, and, and so there's a resonance in that moment uh, for a reason. And that's relationship. And I think the real purpose of relationship is not necessarily to stay together forever. The real purpose of relationship is not necessarily to like be joined at the hip. The real purpose of relationship is to learn the lessons for why our soul and their soul have come together in the first place, to learn those lessons, to evolve, to become more of who we really are, and to grow. So I believe the real purpose of friendship and relationships is growth and evolution. And the real success is not we're still hanging and we're homies and we're still together, even though we're not even resonating or it's a toxic connection, but we've known each other for 50 years. The real success in a relationship is the degree to which we learn the lesson for why we come together and become more of who we really are. That's the real success. And that relationship or connection might last five days, five months, five years, 50 years, a lifetime, so long as you're both continuing to grow and evolve and learn at a similar pace in honoring each other's process. And so I believe that, uh, so, so, so that's the context for what I would say, you know? And so just because you're no longer uh, friends with someone or you're no longer hanging out with them, that doesn't mean it's a failure. That doesn't mean the relationship's not working. That doesn't mean it's bad. It just might mean you're, in different vibrational energies in this moment. It might mean the lesson for why you both came together, you've learned the lessons and that's fine, you know, and it's okay and it's beautiful and you can still love the person and honor their journey and honor their process from where you are, as you are. The love doesn't have to go away. I think the real commitment is to the loving and in any relationship, finding the form of a relationship, finding the structure of any relationship that allows the most love to express that allows. So, so I invite people to sit with what is the form of this relationship that allows the most love to express the most authenticity to express for us to be more of who we really are. Sometimes is to not be together and, and that's okay. And, and so, yeah, you know, I, I, you're able to stay friends with someone true, true friendship when you're both growing and evolving at a similar rate. Otherwise, what happens is you evolve here and they evolve here or you evolve and they don't evolve or vice versa. And you just evolve out of vibration more than anything. And that's okay. And that's just a sign of growth. And every human being has their own process. You know, every human being has their own journey. And so I think we get to really honor uh, each person that comes into our life, each friend that comes into our life for the gift they're giving us and honor the reason and the purpose and the time and realize how sacred it is to be able to meet another soul in this lifetime. And and like when we really feel that we are in relationship with another soul, like another soul, like that's deep. That's like spiritual. That is it's a sacred connection. And even though you may not be in that person's life anymore, the fact that their soul touched your soul and impacted you in a certain way 
your thinking, your perspective, your insight, your they're forever a part of your energy. They're forever a part of your frequency, your 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 consciousness for eternity, for the evolution of your consciousness, however long that is. And so even though you're not physically together, you're always together. At that level, there's no separation. So what a blessing, you know, what a blessing it is to honor like, okay, maybe our time is done or maybe our time will be, will come back uh, in a few years from now and that's okay. But we get so attached to how loving should look and how, how idea our idea of friendship and connection should look. We get so attached to it, you know? And so um, I think we get to expand to, to, to a deeper perspective of what, like what real love is in friendship and relationship. To me, real love is, we often say to friends and, and those we love, I love you so much. Oh my God, so best, I love you, I love you, I love you. If you do what I want you to do and you behave how I want you to behave, then I'm going to love you. Like, I'll love you then. Oh, my God. You know, so, but the moment you stop behaving the way I want you to behave, it's like, well, what the fuck is wrong with you? You know, like, huh, what, 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 don't you love me? And so if you love me, you're going to do X, Y, Z. That's not love. That is, uh, that is manipulation. That is conditioning. That is uh, expectation. That's not real love, you know? So, so I think, all friendships and relationships, the real purpose is designed to help us remove the layers that prevent us from being loving, to see where we're not loving, to see where we're not expressing love, and to learn to love more unconditionally. And everyone is our teacher in that. And so I think real love is real love is the commitment to, to serving another person's soul and another person's soul's evolution. That's real love. And maybe somebody's soul evolution or a friend's soul's evolution won't be what you think it should be, or you won't agree with it, but that's their journey. And so we have to really recognize, talk about deepening, right? To really deepen a connection, you have to really recognize and realize the true essence of who the other person is. Who is the other? Who am I? And who's the other person? When you really realize, because many times we're just relating to ourselves and each other as egos, 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 trying to get something from each other. You meet my need, I'll meet you. It's not love. It's a drug. It's a drug. Like, I need you. I need you. You fulfill my need. Oh, I love you. You fulfill my need. I love you. That's just, that's the drug. It's like, hit me up with that validation. Hit me up with that, you know. And so I think real love first begins in real deep relationship, deepening relationship begins when you start seeing yourself and the other person as a soul. To really see another person first and foremost as a soul, as a soul on their own journey. And you realize, wow, yes, this person's my friend, this person's my girlfriend, boyfriend, you know, mother, father. But maybe I want some things from them. But they are a soul, part of the source energy. And they have their own journey in this lifetime, their own lessons, their own karma, their own journey, and things that they have to learn, that they have to go through. And to really love and honor a relationship is to not impose what you think they should be or what you want, but is to really see them as a soul and honor their soul journey. And that soul journey, may not, you may not always agree with, and that's okay. But to love them and to love that journey and to hold the space for that journey. And so 
Love is to serve another person's soul's evolution. And that might mean sometimes you don't get what you want or you don't get certain things you really crave. Like, I want you to love me. I want you to be with me. But maybe they need to go through that. Maybe they need to go away. Maybe they need to experience that. And and, and that just, I think, gives us the capacity to expand, right, our, our capacity to love, which is really what we're here to do. You know, that's the bottom line. And so real love is to serve another person's soul, another person's evolution. And I think that's real friendship. You know, that's real friendship. Real friend is not going to let you get away with, you, with your bullshit. A real friend is not going to let you play small. A real friend is not going to, like, uh, appease your, your smallness and stuckness. A real friend is going to call you on the truth. A real friend will, 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 will challenge you to step up. A real friend won't let you get away with being less than you can be. A real friend will be like, here's the gift deepening you're talking about when you're able to look at someone and go i see who you are i see who you are even when you don't see yourself i see who you are no 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 i'm this i'm that i'm not enough no 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 i see who you are that is true gift of real friendship not i see who i want you to be Or I see who I think you are. Because many times we don't see each other. We're just seeing through the lens of our own uh, conditioning and ego perspective. Projecting, We're projecting onto someone who we think they are and who we think they should be. But a real friend is like, I see you. Even when you don't see yourself, I see you. And then in the presence of that friendship, it's a gift. Because when you look into your friend's eyes and they don't see your fears, your ego, your 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 conditioning, they see who you are, they see your essence, they see your divinity, they see your light, they see your perfection in spite of yourself. Then when you look into their eyes, their seeing of you uh, acts like a mirror. Their seeing of you acts like a reflection, reminding you of your true self, of your true potential, of your true power. That is a profound gift of friendship, a real friend, you know? And so... Yeah, I mean, I'm just flowing a bit, but that's the, those are some some thoughts. Thank you. I'll never get in the middle of a flow. Uh, <laughs> I'm a I'm a flower myself, so you know when you get in that flow and you you get in that rhythm, you just gotta go. You just gotta sit back and just observe and just sit with the person that's flowing and just let them go through that. So thank you. I'm curious to know, as teachers, as coaches, as transformational coaches, you're one of the best in the world, if not the best. Uh, What current thread, you know, we bounce through different threads as we're teaching, as we're learning, as we're on our journeys. What common thread do you feel most inspired by right now? What do you feel yourself waking up thinking about? You know, is it anxiety? Is it letting go? Is it calling up into your highest light? Is it surrender? What is the thread that, that is on your head every day when you wake up? So I think it's a combination of things. I think um, <clears throat> surrender is a theme that I'm really living as as deeply as I can, primarily because that's my book and and that's what I'm teaching. <clears throat> and so I have to be ahead of the curve of my my book and my teaching if I'm going to teach it. And so I'm really uh, been endeavoring deeply diving into profound surrender, you know. And I think real surrender is. You know, we have this idea that surrender is weak and that surrender is passive and that if you surrender, 
you're going to be a doormat. If you surrender, you won't manifest your goals, dreams, and desires. But I'm actually uh, experimenting and teaching from my own life, really, of, wow, what if you surrender and you got more? You got more, more, more than you could plan for yourself. And so the la- this phase, the last years, have been a real profound surrender exploration of what happens when you really surrender, when you actually, truly let go of trying to control everything, plan everything, force life to fit into some box of what you think it should be, and you open to the flow that's already happening. And you realize that there is a flow that is already happening. It's unfolding. It's happening. It's the flow of life. It's the rhythm of nature. It's moving. And what ha- what will happen? Will life fall apart? Will all hell break loose? Will you go crazy? Will you end up, you know, homeless and broke? And, and like, what's going to happen? And so to to, for me, having studied so much throughout my life, having read and, st- you know, from eight to 18, I read 800 books in self-help, you know, and books and seminars. And, t- and so there comes a point where now, you know, uh, it's like maybe a dance person who's, they've danced thousands of hours a day in their lifetime. And now it's, it's time, it, 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 they reach a point where you can't, you, you can't just keep doing the dances that you've learned. Now it's time to like invent shit. You know, it, it's like what happens when you, 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 you dance without script, you dance without choreography, you dance without plan, you dance without like your, your, your training it, it, to, to put that away and go, what happens now when you put that aside and you, and, and you jump off the cliff without a freaking parachute? What happens? And so for me, you know, my, my, as a teacher, part of my, uh, I don't know, exploration is like, yeah, that's, uh, jumping without the parachute to see what happens and to evolve in that process of like, we'll surrender, you know? And so uh, over the last year or two, I've been really messing with my life in a certain way, in, in a good sense of, of, of all those, any places of stagnation and just, Flipping them upside down. 20-some years I lived in L.A., Los Angeles, my home. COVID hit, I'm like, I'm leaving. It's like, well, I don't want to leave, but this is where the this is part of the guidance. Went to my place in Phoenix. The hell am I doing in Phoenix, man? It's just like, it's hot. I don't know anyone there. You know, it, it's different from L.A. I, I grew to love it. Uh, uh, but I think in many ways, it, it, it's a way for me of keeping myself on the edge of of evolution in a certain sense. And that's why there's like, you know, uh, go to my apartment in LA, move from LA, go to my office in LA, move to Phoenix, uh, ended a relationship, uh, move to Miami. All, all of this is just following the flow. And really, I think part of surrender is the willingness to give up the need to know what everything means, what anything means, to live in the the free fall of the improvised not knowing. The degree to which we can live in the unknown is the degree to which we, we are free. And so the mind is constantly uh, seeking to know and understand and know what does this mean, what does this mean, what does this mean. So I've really been 
and I invite everyone to practice to, to play with it. Uh, I've been really been playing with just giving up the need to know and following in each moment, following the impulse, following the deepest impulse of my soul. Turn left, go here, do this, boom, follow, follow this track. And and allowing life really to lead me. And so many times people will say, Well, why are you doing that? I have no idea. There's, there's no projection of, oh, I know, uh, yeah, 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 you know. See, <laughs> there's fake surrender and real surrender, right? Just to, just to break it down. Fake surrender is when you're like, well, yeah, I need to let this go. But I'll let go if, if X, Y, Z happens. You know, I'll let go of this relationship if they'll come back to me, if that means they come back to me. Uh, that's, that's like surrender with conditions. Real surrender is you're guided to do something. You're guided to move from Tempe to Florida. You're guided. You don't know why. You don't have to know why. You don't, I don't need to know why. You just, something is moving me. Follow that trajectory. Follow that energy. Okay. Why are you moving? I don't know why I'm moving. I just know I'm meant to move. Follow that energy. Follow that stream. It has an intelligence. And allow life to lead you. So it's like, so, so real surrender is, I know I need to do this. And not project on the other side what's going to be there. Oh, uh, I think when I do this, this is going to happen. To not project because all projection into the future typically is from our mind, which is rooted in the past. So what we're projecting into the past is still a version of our future that we're projecting. So we don't realize that we're limiting our future with our past. But when you stand in the not knowing the free space, the infinite space of not knowing. That's not not knowing from oh I don't know I don't no no it's I don't know, but I know but but there's there's something deeper that knows and it's a deep trust and surrender to that intelligence to say I don't know, but in, this intelligence in me that knows and so you're free falling into life, and I think when you can be that open then you're in a realm of infinite possibilities, true infinite possibilities, because there's no limitation on the future for, from what can happen. You're just like, I'm freaking open. That's, you know, so, so for me, I'm just pushing myself in the edges of that. And uh, I just invite everyone to play with that because I think that's when miracles happen, you know, when there's no limits to, it's like, it's open. That's when miracles can happen. Let me share a quick share a quick context with you just to show you how everything is full circle with what you just said. So as, as I talked to you before, uh, you know, I'm moving to Florida, living here in Phoenix, Arizona right now, moving to Florida uh, in February. And, um, you know, with moving, especially when the moving is not instant, when it's kind of a ways out, there's all these emotions. Oh, I'm leaving the people I know. I'm leaving the places I know. I'm leaving the streets I know. You know, grieving. You're grieving. You're grieving the, 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 the leaving, right? So when I interview people, I don't, first of all, I don't even like calling, calling it an interview. I just like to chat. <laughs> uh, but with your work, your work is very, very similar to mine. You know, we're talking about energy, vibration, your mindset, your beliefs. We're talking about very similar topics. So I said, okay, I'll write some questions, you know. So one of the questions I wrote to you, this is why this is so in alignment for me. One of the questions that I wrote to you that I didn't ask you, that you answered, 
<laughs> was here's the exact question. You had a video titled Real Surrender versus Fake Surrender. Can you tell me more <laughs> about how to delineate between the two? Now, for me personally, I'm like, okay, he's given this answer, but I'm taking the answer as you telling me personally, don't worry about my move to Florida. Don't, Don't think about my move to Florida. Don't try to control my move to Florida. Don't worry. Just go. Just trust it. That's it. That's literally what I'm taking from you. Because we're, we're, we're in direct alignment right now. And you're just, you're basically telling me, go. Stop thinking. Yeah. Follow Stop the energy. planning. Follow the energy. Go. go. That's going to be the title of this podcast. Follow the energy. Yeah. I had no idea I, I was moving to Miami. No idea. No idea. I woke up one day, the end of 2020. Um, I was supposed to go to Ghana for a month to do some work, see my family, do some work there. I work on some projects. And right when I was leaving, something said, hey, go check out Miami just for a few days. Not, not to move. Not to move. Just go, go, go. Just something there. I went there. I loved the vibe. The vibe was like, this is a very alive place the vibe is very. happening very happening alive the place people are free here this is like whoa this is how it should be and and i thought you know what come back here for two to three weeks in february that's it that's all i knew shall i move come back came back shipped my car just full on the energy not thinking i was gonna move but maybe got there the second round of like a few weeks later uh, February of this year, uh, within five days, somehow went online, found the place. Next thing you know, got the place, moving in. Told the, it was like, okay, to, just told the real estate person, sell my house in Phoenix. Cut a long story short, it's sold before it's put on the market. Bam, 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 bam. And so mm. when you're following the flow, things happen that you're not making happen because it's in the flow. We're bringing ourselves into the flow. You know, the, the old way of manifesting and creating is an ego-based model that I think we're being uh, evolved out of, which is, what do I want? What do I want? What do I want? I want to move, want to do this, want to do that. What do I want? It's great. And I believe that you can manifest a, a good life living that way. Nothing wrong with it. You know, law of attraction, think it, believe it. What do I want? And you might get what you wanted and sometimes go, well, is this it? Is, is this there more? I got the car. I got the, mm, is this it? Because sometimes what we think we want is just what we think, thought we wanted based on who we thought we were. But if we're not in touch with who we really are, then what we think we want is not going to be what we really want, just a projection of what we thought we wanted to fulfill some unmet need or wound or desire. And so I think the question to ask ourselves in real surrender is really more about a different question. It's, it's an infinite paradigm. It's a, it's a soul paradigm of what is it that life wants to express through me? What is it that the universe wants to express through me? What, what is it that life is seeking to manifest and create and move and live and express through me? The deepest impulse and to feel that. And I think when we can feel that, we'll feel an energy like, oh, life is going in this direction. We can try to move it in this direction. But kind of life is, life is moving and it's, 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 it's rolling in this direction. And when we can then feel that authentic impulse and align 
our mind, our body, our intention, our resources, our marketing, our money with the movement of life, then we're in the flow. Then what happens is I believe because we're in the flow, we're working in harmony with nature, the forces of nature begin to to move to support us because we're working with nature. Because then life, because we're working with life, life is seeking to fulfill itself. And life seeks to fulfill itself through itself, through us, and life begins to manifest through us. It's no longer I manifesting. Life is manifesting. That's when magic happens, man. That's when the miracles happen. So if it's going to Florida, don't question. Just go. You'll you'll find out. Many times you'll find out why. This is what I found for myself. You'll find out why you did something only after the fact. Like, oh, this is why I had to come here. Oh, this is why I had to go there. And, 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 and you don't, so I'm saying you don't have to know in advance. One of the ways we try to control and the mind tries to control, the ego tries to control, is we constantly have this need to know everything. Give it up. Because even the meaning that we make up about something and what something is and what something isn't and all of that stuff is limited to the consciousness and the level of our conditioning in a particular moment. So we look at something, we assess a meaning to it. That meaning we're making up is not going to take into account all of the multidimensional possibilities in the, in the sort of trajectory of life. We're only able to see something from the limited lens of our ego perspective in this moment. And, and that's why I say, give up making meaning about something and just be in the, in the not knowing. So I don't know. Then there's no limits, you know? Do you have any daily habits, practices, or rituals that you'd like to share that help you raise your vibration, help you heal, help you grieve, help you tap into the abundant energy of your life? Ah, For me, it's pretty simple. I work out every day exercise without fail this is very basic but it's just the foundation for everything else for me uh when i say every day it's pretty much non-negotiable unless i'm on a flight and i can't but when i land or before i take i'll wake up at 2 a.m if i have to catch a 6 a.m flight and exercise you know uh when i when i'm when i travel and i land at 4 a.m or 5 a.m in in africa or somewhere i'll first thing i'll do is i'll go exercise and so for me, that's just the foundation of, of resetting, running, gym, stretching, some combination, usually about an hour and 10, 15 minutes a day. Like today, I ran for an hour in the morning at 5, 5.15 a.m. and sets the tone for my day. Um, some other daily habits. Uh, I drink a gallon of water a day. Uh, to me, this is, non, this is non-negotiable. Water, here it is, man. It's the key. It's the key to life. It's the key. Most of us were dehydrated. I do many different health things, but most people don't realize that the foundation is water. If I had to take away all my supplements and this and that, I could only keep one thing, it would be water. And uh, I think so much of our life would shift mentally, emotionally, energetically, spiritually. We would flow more. We just drank water. Meditation, you know, I sit, meditate, be, feel, tune in. That's something I do daily. But it's pretty simple. You know, uh, and and for me, life is the spiritual practice more than anything now. 
more and more, you know, um, living moment to moment with awareness more and more, just being kind, as kind as I can in each moment more and more. That's, that's, that's real spirituality. Uh, and so not that I don't do certain things, um, but I used to be, I used to be really attached to, oh, I've got to go to the mountaintop and do, do, the, do, the, do the, you know, uh, spiritual practice and raise my, raise my vibration, do the thing. Now it's more like recognize the inherent spirit in everything, you know, so that no matter where we are or what we're doing, all of life is sacred. And I think that's for me what I'm enjoying more and more, that everything is spiritual. We're seeing the spirit in, in all things as, as a practice. I'm going to let you choose the next question because there's two. There's one that's going to go deep into your childhood, and then there's one that's going to go into your business practice. Which one, which one do you feel more called to right now? Let's start with childhood, maybe. It okay. Might be interesting. Okay. Okay. So uh, born in Ghana, right? Uh, mother Japanese. Father was from Ghana. Yes. You moved all over. Like, what was your childhood like? Like you have a very, just on the outside looking in, it seems like a very rare childhood. Give me some context and some, some story there. What was it like? Uh, it, it didn't seem rare for me when I was living it, you know? I mean, um, it just seemed normal for me. It seemed normal. Uh, I was a kid that uh, wanted to play soccer and uh, have my cake, you know, eat my sweets, eat my chocolate. <laughs> And so because I grew in it, it didn't seem unusual. But uh, two things. I always felt a deep, I always felt people very deeply, very empathically as a kid. And so I'd feel people's pain and there was always a deep desire to alleviate suffering uh, for, for people in some way. I didn't know what that would look like, but I just felt I wanted to do that. Um, and then... Yeah, my first memories as a kid was literally seeing a crippled woman crawling on the floor. She picks up the sand that this man walks on, wipes it on her face and stands up. And week, week after week, the same man, I'd see the same man look at, look at a woman in a wheelchair and say, uh, stand up or look at uh, someone with crutches and say, throw your crutches away or a blind person, touch their eyes, they would see. And so this was honestly just, normal so you brush your teeth drink your juice you know take a shower it was no it was no different i didn't think this is really extraordinary it was just this is all i knew you know and so um until i started going to school and telling uh, the teachers what happened and they thought i was crazy didn't believe me until they came and saw it for themselves um and so it was interesting you know, age eight, I started speaking in my father's churches. Age, uh, my father had three hundred churches in Ghana, West Africa. Had a huge church in London, and I started speaking in my father's churches at age eight, uh, giving giving the message of inspiration. Age fourteen, I was ordained as a minister, and so uh, I was supposed to take over my father's organization. I was supposed to take over my father's churches. I was given the mandate to be the guy to take things to the next level. And we're talking hundreds of thousands of followers in Ghana. And uh, I knew that that wasn't my destiny to do it through religion or my father's church in a certain way. That wasn't, 
wasn't my path. I wanted to do it in a much more spiritual way, in a much more non-denominational way, in, in, a, in, in a more accessible way. And I just didn't have the courage at 14, I think, to, to tell my father, this is not quite right for me, you know, because I wanted to help people. So I guess isn't this how you help people, but it doesn't feel quite right for me. And so my fear was if I told my father the truth, I'd be outcast. Uh, I'd be alone. I'd be abandoned, you know. Um, I was terrified. And so I got ordained as a minister and for four years went through an inner turmoil of knowing that I'm not living in alignment with my truth, knowing I'm not living what's true, what's authentic, that I'm betraying something inside. And simultaneously, though, I became very obsessed from eight to 18 with spirituality and books. And I started reading all these self-help books that were on my father's bookshelf. Uh, everyone from Shakti Gawain to Deepak Chopra to Marianne Williamson to, you know, uh, Joe's, Joe Goldsmith. We're talking old school uh, metaphysicians, uh, Joe Goldsmith, Joseph Murphy, uh, Science of Mind, uh, Unity, Charles Fillmore, Ernest Holmes, Science of Mind, uh, to the Eastern mystics and uh, Krishnamurti and Osho and became really obsessed with with, with, with trying to understand as a kid. and. This was my journey. But when I was 18, and I was never very close to my father because he was always, he was an icon to me and uh, as, as a kid. And I just looked up to him, my father, I love this man, but we're not very close because he's always gone and uh, very close to my mother. And so when I was 18, I had to make a decision. Uh, I chose not to go to university because I figured if I want to help people with their life, I need to live life. And uh chose to just live life. And I, I felt a calling to come to the US, specifically to Los Angeles, specifically to Southern California, because all of the authors I'd read about growing up lived in Southern California. I'm like, this is the Mecca. And maybe this is the water they drink or something, but this is where I need to be. And so I, at 18, I felt this calling. Sometimes what your soul wants you to do is not always convenient, you know, and yet it's it's true. And decided to listen to the calling, had the conversation with my father that I was dreading my whole life. And long story short, we didn't speak for two years. And that was devastating and difficult and challenging. Sometimes people think that when you follow your path, life is easy. Things happen effortlessly, but I think when you sometimes follow your path and your purpose, that's when the real challenges begin. The real challenges start not because you're on the wrong path. The real challenges start because you're actually on the right path and you, you, you need to go through some of the tests and the challenges so that you can develop the mental, the emotional, the physical, the spiritual muscle to become the person who's capable of fulfilling that vision. And so all of those challenges are gifts to strengthen you. Look at Mandela, 27 years in prison. That's called a challenge. You know, you and I, we got we have a year or two in, or a few weeks in a situation. 27 years, no joke. That's, that's time to think, to meditate, to develop compassion, to forgive, to vision like that. It's huge. But look at the impact he had on humanity that lives on because of his soul force, right? And so I had this conversation with my father. Didn't go too well. Um, ended up winning a green card in the lottery and the green card lottery. And that was, uh, for me, as an 18-year-old kid, uh, a sign 
from the universe that I was on the right path. And I really believe from that moment, when you really follow your truth, when you follow what's true, the universe supports you. And that was incredible. I won this green card and I'm like, wow. And that's what enabled me to come to the US with two suitcases and you know, one in the country as an 18, 19 year old kid and $800, maybe $1,000, two suitcases, one suitcase full of clothes, one suitcase full of books, uh, spiritual books, and uh, just showed up, Los Angeles, here I am. And that's what began my journey. But my childhood was, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was what it was. I mean, I'm, I'm really grateful for some of the things that happened uh, because they prepared me to do what I'm doing now. Like, for instance, my dad would just throw me randomly on the stage, and I hated it because it was so nerve-wracking. He'd just throw me. But when I get on the stage, the channel would open. Something would happen. It's like, what? I, I didn't really know what happened. And I used to hate it and hate it and hate it. Now I look back and I realize, wow, I'm really grateful because when I'm in a conference or something, and can you, can you really feel, you know, can you speak for us right now? If I get thrown on the stage, it's just... It's easy, you know, it's, it's, I've been prepared for it, right? And so I, I think that everything we, we go through is part of our journey and soul's preparation. And so my childhood was, was what my soul chose. 800 books. I, I know one of my listeners is going to be thinking to his or herself, <laughs> man, I wonder if this guy could just tell me one book to read of the 800 that he read. <laughs> what would that one book be? So what do you, what do you think? Uh, I don't know if there's one book. Uh, I don't know if there's one book, man. Uh, one book. That's Now that's a tough question. Now you hit me with a tough question. Um, I don't know if there's one book. Look, at each stage of my life, I, I was impacted by different teachers and authors, depending on what I needed. So I'll just like, the first book I read was on creative visualization. This is before the law of attraction, before the secret. You think it, you believe it, you conceive it, then you achieve it. It's like, oh my God, that's amazing. I can visualize and stuff starts happening. Like, so, so for me, that understanding was a, 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 a sort of kindergarten understanding, but it was the beginning of something of, oh, maybe there's a creative, creative power that we have. So at that stage, at eight years old, that book was significant. Then I remember around 10, 11, I found Tony Robbins, Deepak Chopra, Marianne Williamson, uh, Wayne Dyer. And, oh, my God, these, these books were, like, incredible for me at that moment of just opening my mind. Uh, Jim Rohn, all these people, Brian Tracy, Mark Victor Hansen. It was incredible. Uh, and then I found Stephen Covey at 14, 13, 14, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It was, it was a revolution because it was so systematic and, and, and just like, wow, Think and Grow Rich uh, was a powerful book. Think and Grow Rich was, was life-changing also at the time. So simple, but a, a classic. The Alchemist, Paulo Coelho, I uh, read at 15. I, I highly recommend that book. And, but for me, a classic book that never goes old. You can read it at different stages of your life because knowledge is structured in consciousness. So the more your consciousness expands, the more your understanding of the book expands. It's a book called I Am That uh, by uh, an Indian spiritual teacher called Nisargadatta Maharaj. And it's the kind of book you need to read like a paragraph a day 
and take 10 years to read it because <laughs> each each moment is each each word each sentence is so deep tell us the title and author one more time i am that i am that by uh, nisagadatta maharaj and i would second uh, everything you said i would answer pretty much the identical way i would add in like you know when you're telling your story about younger you reading like i remember reading um tuesdays with maury you know i remember that one as a younger guy i remember uh the giver i think everybody had to read that one that was a really good one um but my would be jadu krishnamurti i'm glad you mentioned him and be jadu krishnamurti he has a book called the awakening of intelligence great book great book oh love it love it and it's like it's just like you say like you're not about to read this cover to cover <laughs> you'll read a paragraph a page maybe and then you're like okay let I me think about this yeah, <laughs> right <laughs> i used I to need, love need... you know as a kid too a guy called Stuart wilde uh old school metaphysical teacher from uk he was crazy but his books were just amazing amazing books the force uh miracles the trick to money is having some just such simple, pure truth. And so, yeah, just books with my friends. I had a talk this morning with my, my good friend who has been struggling with a thread for uh, what feels like his maybe seven or eight years. And his thread is the thread of money. You know, and he, he says things like, when I make this amount of money, I'll be happy. When I make this amount of money, everything will be okay. When I make this amount of money, uh, you know, everything will be in flow and in sync. And um, compassionately, I have to disagree. I have to disagree, you know. So I, I disagreed with him respectfully this morning. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to say his name. But I said, you know, you know what? I think what you need to recognize is that money isn't the thing that you need to focus on. And he was like, what do you mean? I have money problems, so I need to focus on money. Hmm. I said, no, actually, for you, it's much, it's much deeper than that. You have an energy problem. You have a mindset problem. You have a behavior problem. We don't need you reading more books on money. I need you consuming and being aware of your energy. And he started telling himself this story. He's been repeating this story for like eight years. When I got fired from this job, everything went downhill. And then he goes into like a 10 minute rant, bringing up all those old emotions, bringing up that old pattern, bringing up that old story. So he literally we had a breakthrough today. He literally said, I hate to say this and I don't even want to say it. But when that and as soon as he got there, I cut him off. I said, <clears> stop. I said, don't even repeat that story. Don't do it. I've let you repeat the story for eight years. You've been in this thread for eight years. It's time for you to energetically go to a new thread. Nice. That's and a good when friend. That happened, when that happened, he couldn't even talk. He didn't even know what to say because I stopped, I stopped his pattern. So he didn't know what to say. So I'm curious on success, money, all this stuff that our Western world region focuses on and obsesses about. I'm curious, what is your relationship like with money, with uh, attracting money, earning money? saving um obviously we're doing transformational work that comes from a soul space but there is a transaction that happens so i'm curious what your present day relationship is with money energetically i love it <laughs> i love it money's beautiful money's amazing money's energy money 
that we need money. The fact is, in this physical world, anyone doesn't say tell you anyone that says they need money is either lying or or afraid to become the person that they need to become to to manifest it. Because in this physical world, you need money. That's the bottom line. You want to impact people, you need money. Look, I was in Africa a few months, a few about a month ago actually, went to see some kids. Uh, a friend of mine has an incredible orphanage, three, 300 kids. I can't just show up with my nice meditation and my good intentions at her orphanage. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, uh, yeah, hey, how you doing? How's the kids? My intention and my meditation and my visualizations and my prayers, not going to feed the children. It's not going to feed the children. That's just fact, you know? And so we need money. Now, money doesn't necessarily make you happy. Money doesn't necessarily... Uh, fulfill your soul. Money doesn't necessarily make you evolve. Money doesn't, you know, it's not the be all and end all, but there's nothing wrong with money. And I think for too long in the spiritual realm, there's been this uh, uh, conditioning that money is not spiritual. Money is evil. Money is the root of all evil. Yeah, but the, the, the religions are saying money is the root of all evil. So now here's the collection plate. Please give us your money. If it's the root of all evil, why you, why you, you know? And so, Money is not good or bad. It's just energy. It's just, uh, it doesn't even mean anything, right? If I had a $100 bill in my hand, we'd be like, well, what is it? It's a piece of paper. That's all it is. So money is an agreement that we have collectively, and that agreement gives a value. Inherently of itself, it has no value. We put so much charge that it means everything or it means nothing. It doesn't really mean anything. It just means whatever it means. And so when we can take the charge off of it, that money defines who I am. Money uh, determines my self-worth. Money, it, it, it doesn't. It's just a piece of paper that serves as a transaction and a function and an exchange for something. But it doesn't define who we are. But I do believe that we need to, uh, I think as teachers, as coaches, as spiritual beings, it's important that we really open to expand our, our um, shall we say, energy around money to love it, to bless it. Because the more you have money, the more you can impact people, the more you can serve people, the more people you can. You couldn't do this podcast without money. You said, hey, don't worry, my, my, my editor will edit some stuff out. Is he going to take your, hey, dear editor, I'm not going to pay you for the next year, but I'll pray for you. I'm sorry, we wouldn't have a podcast, brother, you know? I'll pray for you. The editor's going to look at you like, screw you, man. I love your podcast, but I want some money. So nothing wrong with it. Let's just take all the energy off of it and not put so much into it, but but give it its proper place. For the longest time, you know, when I started my career, I didn't give a shit about money. I didn't care, didn't care. Honestly, didn't care. And that's not good or bad it's just i did, i just in it for the just to serve and that's still really what drives me but as i evolved and grew i started realizing years ago that if i don't have money i can't serve more people but if i have money then i can there's marketing there's structure there's events that you need money to build some structures to impact people and, and so money became important from that sense when I understood its purpose, 
you know? And so for a lot of people, the relationship is mo- with money is, is, is so scarcity or screwed up that they want to have money, but they don't know why they want to have money. Why do you want to have money? Uh, why do you want to have money? So I can buy another pair of Nike shoes or another. That's not going to bring you fulfillment and happiness. You know, at some point you get everything you, you, you might get everything you wanted and you have it with the money you have only to be dissatisfied. So it is what it is. And so it's important to understand the purpose of money. Money is to be used. Money is a function to use, to grow, to evolve, to, to, to impact in some way. And and when I think you have that right relationship with money and understand the purpose for it, because sitting in your house or sitting in your bank account, sitting, it doesn't do anything. It really doesn't do anything. And the fact is, you could have $72 million, billion dollars, right? And then die. You don't take it with you. You don't take it with you. You're not taking it. In fact, your kids are going to maybe enjoy it and everyone else enjoys the money. So none of it we take with us, but it does serve a function to, but we have to know the function we need it to serve. And so for me, I realized many years ago, well, if I want to help people, need money, need money. Money doesn't define you. But we need money to create and impact the world. And so that's really my relationship with money. And, and I think I wish that the enlightened folks, the, the, the transformation folks, that, that we have lots of it. Because I think if we have more of it, we'll be able to impact more people. So I think part of money is also an energy of being open and receptive, to be open and receptive, to allow, to breathe it in, to receive. And I think sometimes what blocks that receptivity is our sense of deservingness that we think uh, I'm not deserving. I don't deserve. So we push it away in some way. And so money's beautiful. Money's energy. Money is a function of adding value. And so if, if you really want to make money, I'd invite you to sit with first, acknowledge it. Don't put too much energy into it and allow it to define you. Um, appreciate it, respect it, understand the reason you want it so that it's in the purpose that it's going to serve when you have it, but also then sit with rather than go, how can I get it? Focus on how can I be of service? And, And money is a function of adding value. And you add value when you solve someone's pain, problem, or challenge. And so if you're really focused on solving someone's pain, problem, or challenge in an effective way, money is the exchange that happens when you solve someone's pain problem or challenge. Many times we, 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 we work, we think we're adding value, but we're really not adding value. We're not really solving anyone's pain problem or challenge. We're just doing whatever we're doing. And we're not, and so we need to learn how to package and, and, and deliver our gifts in a way that solves someone's pain problem or challenge and actually adds tangible value to people's lives in a way that they can appreciate and need and want. And so I think money's beautiful. Like, I'm not mad at Bezos and these guys. Prime, man. Bezos is about Amazon. How many people use Amazon? People can shit on Bezos and talk about Bezos all day long. But you used Amazon sometime. I used Amazon yesterday. I primed that shit, and it came the next day. I'm like, damn, I give Bezos a, a dollar. No problem, you know. He, To a degree, he's adding a massive amount of value you know, to, to, to a lot of people. Now that doesn't mean with that, there's not responsibility. There's a, there's responsibility. And I hope that someone like a Bezos has a conscience to do good with the abundance that's coming back. But 
hey, money is a function of adding value. And if you're adding value to people's lives, money is just the exchange. It's beautiful. That was so funny. (laughs) (laughs) When you hear the words, free your energy, what does that mean to you? Uh, I think our energy is always free. It's not the energy that needs to be freed. It's our conditioning around the energy that needs to be free. Energy is always free. What we are is energy, and that will always be the case. We were energy. We are energy. We will always be energy. But our conditioning that that coalesces around energy from our programming, from childhood, pain, hurts, traumas, is really what gets, uh, what's the word, wrapped up around that energy that may be, uh, doesn't allow the energy to flow, but the energy is always free. And so what we have to do is really understand and explore our conditioning. For As children, our energy was free. We were born into a framework and set pattern. As, ch- as children, uh, we met our parents. Our parents were just doing the best that they knew how to do based on their childhood and their programming and generational patterns and karmic patterns. We were born into this, and maybe there was pain, there was trauma, there was hurt, there was abandonment, maybe there was alcoholism, then maybe there was addiction, maybe the parents were fighting, maybe they just didn't know how to meet our emotional needs. And so as children, what started happening is we started to disconnect, shut down, and not feel as a survival mechanism to deal with the pain of what was going on around. And then we also began to develop all sorts of roles, masks, and personas, the sense of who do I need to be in order to be loved. And so before you know it, we started to contort ourselves into a certain shape uh, that we then called me. Like, oh, this is just who I am, right? I'm just, I'm just independent. I'm just nice. I'm just a giver. I'm just this way. I'm just shy. It's just who, who we've been conditioned to be, a set of patterns that have been programmed to avoid pain and get love and function and survive. And so then our energy then starts to sort of move in that pattern, but our energy is free. It's the conditioning that really needs to be freed more than anything. The energy is always available. It's always present. We are everything, but we are not our patterns. We are not our conditioning. We are not our stories. We are not our programming. We are not those restrictions. What we are is energy and is infinite.